0: Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or indeed Friday evenings on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You're welcome to show number 898. Running away at myself. Our show this week is kindly sponsored by the world's enterprise open source leader, Red Hat. And we will find out more about their operations here in Ireland and how their open source ethos goes way beyond software. More on that while. Right now, I'm joined by our editor in chief, uh, Niall Kitson, just to have a quick chat about some of the stories in the news. Coming up to Christmas, of course, it's starting to get a little bit quiet. Um, we have uh, people being named Man of the Year, or sh- I should say Person of the Year. Person of Person the Year. Of the because year.
2: We're, we're growing up as a people. So uh, yeah, and Person Time has actually
0: because I well, when I was a kid, it was always Time's Man of the Year, but it's been mm-hmm. Person of the Year for a long time now, I'm happy to say. Who is, pray tell, ta- per- Time Magazine's Person of the year this year. Yeah, Mr. Elon Musk. You sound <laughs> kind of puzzled uh, when you say his name. Ever
2: so slightly. Um, now, you are very pro-Elon Musk.
0: I think you you reckon it's a, it's a good choice for this year? Uh, I think it's a good choice. I wouldn't say I'm pro-Elon Musk, but I think definitely uh, when it comes to uh, uh, people who have made an impression on planet Earth this year... Or any other planet, (laughs) for that matter. Yes, Elon is a definite is a definite candidate, and I think a well deserving winner. Okay, well, I I kind of disagree uh, on this front.
2: Okay, listen,
0: I'll I'll tell you why I like him. All right, yeah, Uh, and and let's go with you know. perhaps these are the reasons Time Magazine thought of. I think he's one of these... Now, I'm not going to say he's one of these who came from nothing and suddenly he's the world's richest man, all right? Because uh, yeah. from what I know of him, he came from a very well-to-do family. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he had the family money behind him pushing him along. Sure. However, he was used to money and wealth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, th- here's a guy, right? One man, one man started PayPal, okay? Okay revolutionised the use of credit cards on the internet. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. if one man did it within his lifetime, that would be well-deserved. But then when he sold PayPal, he took his money and he started SpaceX because he just started getting this whole thing about going to Mars. All right. And he's actually made it happen. Now, if you think about, you know, kind of 20 years ago, private people didn't do space exploration. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So the Mm. fact that he has done that, I think, you know, kind of, wow, that's amazing. And I think the third thing is that he's behind Tesla, which is one of the biggest uh, makers of electric vehicles in the world. Mm -hmm. And again, he's trying to change the planet. He's trying to do good for the planet and make money for himself. Why not? Um, Mm -hmm. And be good to the environment by, by introducing electric cars. I mean, those three things are enormous all in their own, But for one man to have done them, I say bravo, Elon Musk. Absolutely.
2: Okay, right. Here's where here's where I differ uh, from you, and that's not to take away the magnitude of some well magnitude of his achievements to date. But I don't think his contribution has been proven. Right, we have electric cars on the road. OK, uh, something that was going to happen anyway, out of environmental necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cars that he produces are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're objects of desire, which is nice. But I think you'll find that all the major manufacturers have sort of caught up with that. Yeah. So Tesla remains a sort of a, a boutique brand, yeah. if you will. You see them on the road and you're like, woo, that's a Tesla. That's really interesting. But I don't think people run out to buy uh, a Tesla EV. I think I think there's still a, a lot of novelty value about think, them on the roads. Would it
0: be fair to say that uh, Tesla is the Apple of the electric vehicle world? I think that's that's a pretty pretty fair thing to say. Oh, all okay. right. Yeah. So that that would be
2: my thing on Tesla. When mm-hmm. it when it comes to SpaceX, I find the promise of privatized commercial uh, space exploration to be quite disturbing. Because who gets to see where we go, what we see, who gets to go, and what we're actually going to get out of it? And if you look at, you know, John F. Kennedy saying, you know, we go to the moon, not because, uh, because basically because it's there and because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't see what Elon Musk's motivation is for going to Mars, like, I mean, he's a businessman. He's going to want to get something out of it. And when he says he wants a million people on Mars in, what was his timeline? You know this. 2050, I think it was. 2050, yep. right. Which million people are actually going to be over there? Because this brings to mind, uh, have you seen the film Kingsman? Have you? I have, yeah. Yeah. You know what? The, I mean, this is a semi-spoiler, but it's quite an old movie at this stage. So the the bad guy in it is a, a tech entrepreneur and uh, he's like, Yep, uh, you know, there's a global catastrophe coming, but it's okay. I've got this sorted. We're gonna have X number of people are definitely gonna live and they're all gonna be rich. They're all gonna be <laughs> my mates. <laughs> and that's it. So, you know, in a in a similar fashion, okay, we, we go to Mars because what? Okay, Earth isn't in a great state. I'm sure some people will go for that reason. Yeah. And then, you know what what then? When you arrive what's what's coming back and forth where's see, where's the payoff for I'll, nations I'll, I'll, and I'll, who
0: gets to go i'll completely you know because we like a conspiracy theory from time to time and, and and to uh Josh these things around i would could say the absolute opposite of your um argument is equally true in that why should governments be the one to go and conquer other planets because we don't know what the government's intentions were. John F. Kennedy making his fine speech fantastic, but what was behind it was the Russians are ahead of us. We need to catch up, guys. That's really what he meant. It's all about power and control for everybody. And it doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or whether you're uh, a country. I think with... Mr. Musk possibly I think it's just too far away for him to personally benefit unless he's thinking about his kids or something like that maybe he is maybe he isn't he's not going to go to Mars he knows he's not going to go to Mars by the time they Hmm. get it together he's going to be too old
2: yeah yeah unless you know he's going to do a a, what was the name Guy Pearson uh, in Prometheus kind of a thing just put him in (laughs) Put them in storage until you're nearly there. there you and go, then wake them yeah, up.
0: yeah. Or John Hurt was it in a, in Contact? I think was a a, a a similar role and stuff like that. So no, right. I think for somebody who has um, done so much. I think he is a worthy person of the year. Of course, he is an idiot as well. He does have his moments of (laughs) idiocy. Um, I I think he should stay away from Twitter. Oh, stop. Well, there you go. So uh, another former person of the year uh, was Donald Trump in 2016. Another one who should stay away from Twitter.
2: Well, well, Um, well, who who has no option but to stay away from Twitter, uh, but but for entirely different reasons. So anyway, another
0: former man man of the year, uh, person of the year, I should say, with uh, Time magazine was Irish. And I believe only one Irish person has ever been person of the year at Time magazine. Do you know who it is? Oh, that's a very good question. I don't know. Who was it? A man with a lot of opinions and a big stage on which to share them. Uh, Paddy Cosgrove. Bono. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course, of course. Jeepers. (laughs) that's that's an
2: appalling misstep I made there. That's terrible. How did I do that? Bono, yeah, pretty good choice, pretty good choice. The difference, however, is that Bono is actually making things happen whereas I think Elon Musk hasn't fully realised his potential.
0: Therefore, I think it's too early. We could argue all night long about that, uh, but we won't. Yeah. Uh, Listen, the other uh, story in the news is kind of Google is is changing its mind over COVID and stuff like that and seems to have thrown down a, a bit of a a demand to its workers is saying jab or job oh that's a very nice way of putting it uh
2: yeah basically from next year as we know google uh, has a massive workforce that it employs one hundred and fifty thousand people in the u.s and basically they're saying okay time to start coming back to the office but if you're not vaccinated you, you're going to lose your job that's it you're done
0: can they legally do that
2: an excellent question mm. uh i'm Have sure that they're, they're leaving themselves they must wide they open must be able
0: to legally do it so people like google who've got armies of lawyers in-house mm. don't make pronouncements like that without knowing the answer yeah yeah uh,
2: It's quite. I the, I know, in, in, mm. initially you know the deadline is the 18th of january yeah right so that's obviously when they expect people to start coming back on the office if you're not jad by then you are paid on paid administrative leave for 30 days, which is basically give you a month to get your act together, uh, followed by six months of unpaid leave where you're not getting paid, but you're still on the books. Uh, And then at the end of that, that's it. You're done. If you haven't sorted yourself out.
0: That will be a very, very interesting story to watch as we go along, won't it? Yeah, and not the first to do it, actually. Uber and Facebook have done it as well.
2: Uh, So, you know, we're definitely going to see a trend of uh, big tech wanting its people back in-house. Yeah,
0: and then again, everything changes. As we know over the last two years, (laughs) everything can change at the drop of a hat. Who knows? Grant, listen, they're the uh, stories that we're talking about this week, of course. uh, You can keep yourself up to date with all things that are happening in tech in Ireland with hourly updates and daily newsletters and more, which you grab at our website. It's techcentral.org. This is
1: Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie.
0: If you work in enterprise IT, then you probably know the name Red Hat. This week, Niall Kitson talks to Red Hat's country manager for Ireland, Keith Lynch, about how its open source approach extends way beyond software to its corporate culture so red hat is well
2: known as a, a global brand it's something people are very very familiar with but it's taken a while to develop a, a sort of a proper irish presence keith so can you tell me a little bit about your your i don't want to say struggle but your your um, journey in bringing red hat to Ireland and kind of your career to date with them
1: yeah sure uh Niall, so um i'll probably start like i'm i'm My name is Keith Lynch. Obviously, uh, I'm I'm country manager for for Red Hat here in Ireland. I've been with Red Hat for just just a little over 10 years. I worked uh, as a contractor with Red Hat um, for about a year or two in the professional services organization um, and then joined uh, in the services organization in the UK. Uh, Worked over there for about about eight years altogether uh, before coming over here to Ireland um, to take on the role I'm, I'm currently in today. Which is which is effectively a role focused on our customers and partners here in Ireland uh, and growing Red Hat's business here directly in Ireland. So prior to this, we had a, a UKI team sitting sitting in the UK and but uh, a few Irish people like myself. Um, and uh, there was just there was an opportunity to, to grow out the business here and put a team here. We've actually had a pretty strong presence in Ireland um, as Red Hat since kind of Red Hat's been you know kind of kind of really started and um, we have a finance team in cork they're kind of the decentralized kind of finance team for me so pre- pretty big team down in cork we also had a an, an acquisition of a company called feed henry it was about six years ago they were a waterford it spin out and um, and that added quite a lot to to, to the red hatters here in ireland and um, and then we have a lot of engineering presence here as well like a lot of our a lot of our engineers who work in our products. They work upstream on, um, on on a lot of the the technologies that we then make available to our customers. as kind of you know be, be around our support and how we how we deliver support around um, kind of open source software. So, but we didn't have a a team really focused on our customers and partners here in Ireland. So that that's been in existence now since first of January uh, two thousand nineteen. That was kind of a soft kickoff that we. We we kicked off with a team of of about five people, and um, we're now a team of twelve and growing. Um, and the last, you know, it's almost you know first of January. We're, we're now at what the twenty fifth of November as we're recording this. So first of January will mark our kind of three year anniversary of, of of the team here in country, and it's been it's been a good you know two two three years of of, of, of growth. And uh, we've we've spent a lot of time getting really close to customers who. We're already really strong, kind of Red Hat customers prior to us coming in, and um, there were a couple of kind of public references that that had come out before. Um, like Paddy Power Betfair, for example, would have been a, a strong Red Hat customer. and um, they, they use Red Hat's OpenStack platform, which is their um, infrastructure as a service kind of kind of cloud on premise cloud technology, um, and they, they'd won an innovation award. But you know, we're, we're, we have customers now that like department of agriculture who, who won a red hats open innovation award this year at a red hat summit. So they were one of like five customers celebrated globally. And we had our, our kind of event here two weeks ago. And um, we had a AIB and, and DAA and, and, and um, Agora all talking. So we're, we're getting a lot more customer intimacy by having, having a team here in country. Um, and, and, and that's really good. and, um, I think that that probably covers the Red Hat part. In, in terms of my my career, and um, that was my career at Red Hat. I, I actually, um, I I did a degree in computer science here in um, up in Dundalk, uh, finished that, and then spent about twenty years outside of Ireland. Um, so kind of from twenty to forty, uh, spent about you know ten years at Red Hat. But the prior ten years, I was working in professional services and and, and software engineering. And um, so come from kind of technical background, went into um, professional services, and and I've always really worked for enterprise software companies, um, in general, and, and, and customer facing roles within uh, within those companies. For I'd say the you know probably probably the majority of of, of my career.
2: So, do you find that there are sort of I don't want to say peculiarities, but I guess that's that's the best word to the Irish market that perhaps weren't being picked up upon uh, elsewhere.
1: I think I think presence and um, just just being in in the market gives you a lot more uh, intimacy with what's going on here. You, you know, you pick up on um, what what's happening, and um, it just gives you it gives you a much finer tuned view of, of what, what's relevant to customers here, what's going on, you know, in the Irish economy, what what's um, what's important, um, and even if you look at our partner ecosystem before we came into into country, we kind of had two really strong partners here. We've now got about 15 um, plus. So, you know, we, we didn't have that before. And, and that's kind of become a real engine for us in terms of what, what we do and, and how we, you know, how we show up with our customers, with with the partner network. We just didn't have that here in country. And it, it's those kind of things that, you know, I think being here really help us, you know, the ability to to meet and see customers, know what the challenges they're facing here are, um, and, and then being able to respond to those and, and be, being able to have like a partner network here that we can, we can kind of really rely on and, and as a multiplier to what we're doing here in country.
2: You mentioned there uh, the word open, which I think, uh, of course, it's key to what Red Hat does as sort of a, an open source software developer. But uh, I believe it also extends to the corporate culture there as well.
1: Uh, absolutely, Niall. Um, so, open is open is kind of in the DNA of Red Hat, and um, you know, I think if, if you look at open from 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 like a, a society kind of thing, it's it's you know things like freedom of speech, open open governance, and um, freedom of information. All this stuff, you know, it's a it, it's it's a good way to work. And when you look at software and how open source uh, has kind of evolved, like back to, back about twenty years ago open source was being badged as as a cancer <laughs> by, by some people and um, you know and, and that, you know that's no joke and you know Steve Ballmer at the time was, was saying Linux is a cancer and now you have like you know Satya Nadella getting up saying you know Microsoft loves Linux and, and Microsoft are with ourselves now one of one of the biggest kind of contributors to open source out there and um, but but Red Hat of because we've been built on open source a lot of people would know Red Hat, and they 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 then um, they kind of see Red Hat as the open source company. Um, but Red Hat are an enterprise software company. All of our development is done with with in in the open like with with open source. So traditionally, most enterprise software companies would be proprietary. Red Hat obviously, and um, everything we do is is open source. Even companies we acquire, and um, we we open source that technology. So if you take Feed Henry, who I kind of mentioned earlier we uh we took what was a proprietary platform and, and we kind of open sourced it and um, as part of that acquisition and, and other acquisitions we've done and what what's interesting in open source is open source is all about meritocracy so if you take i don't know take take a fictional character like lucy is is is, is a girl and she's she's got you know she's got an interest in in a in a project an open source project and there's something, there's an itch and she, she's got a feature she'd really like, but this project doesn't have it. She contacts the maintainers uh, of the project, writes, writes a note to the list and is like, you know, I really want this feature. And they say, well, look, no, no one else wants it at the moment. So, you know, we're not going to prioritize it. And uh, and Lucy is is a programmer and a developer and she's like, well, look, I'm, I'm going to develop it myself. So she develops it herself, gives it gives it back to the project, sends them like a you know, pull request, which is, to effectively her contribution and her feature and the maintainers go this is really good lucy we're going to take this on as, as, as part of the project and you know she could go on to become a, an active contributor as part of that project if she wanted to but that, that kind of like you know some really good ideas can come from people who are motivated and find uh things that, that that other people could find interesting and while lucy was going working on this you know other people responded back and were like yeah we really want this feature too we just didn't say it before and um, so that, that same spirit of meritocracy Red Hat has taken from kind of open source communities and, and tried to embed it in the culture. There's um, a really good book by our um, ex-CEO, uh, Jim Whitehurst, called uh, The Open Organization. And in The Open Organization, Jim talks about really kind of as a management culture and philosophy of how the best ideas don't come from the top. They don't come from like the you know the, the C suite of management. Your best ideas very often come from people in the field who are closest to your customers and partners and are, are engaged in you know either in, in, in open source communities or or they're engaged with customers or they're engaged with partners and and they're finding things that could you know bring bring about a new innovation in Red Hat or a new innovation to how we how we do things and. Um, and and he tried to put in he tried to effectively catalyze what we were doing as a culture already and write about it and and that book is kind of about red hat's culture and how we how we work not just how we develop open source software but how open and you know open philosophy is has kind of embedded itself in in, in red hat and how red hat works and it's it's a really interesting model because i think there's a you can harness a lot more innovation through all of your teams and, and enable kind of individual contributors across the board no matter where they sit you know they don't have to be reporting into the c-suite where you, you can have um you know really good ideas that that, that can come from and um, people in the field
2: do you find sometimes that there's kind of a, a tension between perhaps customers that look at this culture of innovation and think, you know, we're a very conservative organisation. We don't necessarily want to put the future of our company into the hands of developers. How do you sort of manage that tension and go, look, yes, we, we are a developer-first culture. We do like to have ideas from boots on the ground, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we're flaky or unreliable. It,
1: it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question, Niall. No, I think the... Um, I think the the perception of open source among people in general, that, that used to be the perception of how they see projects. So, you know, you might think it's it's a couple of hobbyists working on um, you know, some project and, and it could break or change at any moment. And and actually that that's kind of where Red Hat adds value on the service we provide is is effectively making open source projects that you know you could go today and you could download let's say, Kubernetes or, or the Linux kernel, um, and you could try and get them all working. You could try and create yourself a, a Linux distribution if you wanted. Or you could go to somebody like ourselves and, and effectively get a curated um, distribution that is supported for anywhere from 5 to 10 years. So in, in, in a way, that mentality and perception has probably been part of the success of Red Hat, now we we kind of provide a stable foundation and we, we, we kind of take some of the um, some of the fears and, and, and some of the, the trepidation that people would have about using open source software in, in a production like environment. So if you're a banker, you know, you're 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 in a regulated industry like healthcare or um, you know you're a public sector organization and that, that that's that's doing critical things for for you know citizens in your country you need to rely on stuff that's, that's rock solid. So, you know, th- those kind of organizations, Red Hat by providing a, a kind of a stable ground on what sometimes appears to be, you know, an unstable um, base is, is has kind of been, I think, a lot of the, the success of, of, or a lot of the ingredients behind Red Hat's success. And I don't think it's true with the very, very large projects. I think that the very large projects are generally more stable. You look at the Linux kernel these days; it's it's an extremely stable project. It's got thousands of con- contributors, and there's multiple organisations who have um, you know distributions of Linux and um, for, for multiple different processor architectures. It's I think it's one of one of one of the most successful operating systems in the world, and Linux is on like millions and billions of devices. Um, so I think I think some of that's gone away, and but but I think some of it. Has kind of helped helped um, Red Hat be, be successful.
2: What kind of projects have uh, impressed you in the past year?
1: In the past year, um, I think if 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 you look at obviously COVID has been you know kind of dominated for for the last two years. I thought the um, the COVID Green App that um, the Nearform team uh, open sourced and, and and did with the um, the HSE. I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, how they built that and open sourced it, um, that that was just just from an Irish perspective. I thought it was a a good one um, to see. I think um, I think from from our perspective, from Red Hat, from what, from what we do, and um, I think what we've seen in in the in the Kubernetes uh, landscape, which is a it's a container orchestration platform. We obviously made made big bets on on Kubernetes. Um, very early doors, about a month after after Google had kind of announced it to market. And it's gone from strength to strength. I think if you if you rewind back about five years ago when Red Hat went all in on Kubernetes, like at the time, there were a lot of people saying, you know, orchestration of of, of of workloads. You know, you had Apache Mesos, you had Cloud Foundry, you had Red Hat doing some stuff with, with their prior OpenShift product before we adopted Kubernetes. But pretty much everybody has kind of, <clears throat> kind of, just got around and and and, and, uh, and and made that a really successful project. And I think it's just them. Um, you've got all the cloud providers now. You know the, the hyperscalers, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Google, of course. And um, you know all have uh, products around it ourselves, VMware, um, and and other competitors of ours in in, in that space. So it's been a. I, I think it's been a massively successful project in its own right. Um, and it's kind of the next, like if you think of Linux as the was the the kind of operating system for the data center, I think Kubernetes is kind of the operating system for the cloud.
2: Lastly, where do you see open source going in the future?
1: Where do I see open source going in the future? Um, <laughs> well, well, it's it's here to stay for sure. And um, I think uh, I, I think the wonderful thing about open source, and probably what what attracted me to it most when when I was an engineer, and um, like kind of fresh out of university in the early 2000s was you know you could use I was a Java developer and you could you could download and and use these libraries and instead of having to you know spend spend weeks and months creating loads of code to do really complex things, you could just download these libraries and use them and they they just gave you a superpower and over the last twenty years, what we've had is the, I think open source has really taken off, and I, I mentioned you know Microsoft earlier, and many other companies besides are, are, are investing in open source, which you know previously would have been proprietary companies. I, I think everyone is kind of standing on the shoulders of giants, and I think I think open source is going to get into, you know, it's pretty much everywhere already. Like you, I think a lot of things you touch will already have you know Linux behind them and um, no matter what you do in your daily life they'll be you'll you'll, you'll probably interact with Linux without even knowing it and um, you know devices in your home ATMs and um, if you're if you're buying tickets or making reservations or every, everything you use in your internet and your phone is connected to devices all running Linux and, and you don't you're not even aware of it it's it's kind of it's just in the ether and I I think as as things grow over the next years there's just it's just this ever increasing foundation on which people can stand on the shoulders of giants that are standing on the shoulders of giants I I think it's only going to get better and better Um, and we'll we'll just see I think I think there's going to be more use of open source in in vertical industries and I I think open source has been very successful as a a generalized um, technology solution but you're seeing uh, you know kind of vertical solutions um, coming out that are that are kind of pointed out particular industries like like telco and and edge and vehicle and um, like linux for the car for example is is, is one of note and um, so i think i think all that stuff is going to it's going to create disruption and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting place for people to build careers and, and build things on over over the, the, the next decade
0: and that was Nile Kitson chatting with Keith Lynch, Red Hat's Country Manager for Ireland. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or, of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nile Kitson, thanks so much for listening. Take care.
1: Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or Download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech
0: Central